Okay, we're in a series called Leverage, and we are talking about leveraging our talents today. Really kind of frame the whole thing. If you go through Grow with our church, you know, we try to leverage our time, our talent, and our treasure. We put them all with T's just so it's real easy. Uh, but So next week will be resources or treasure, and this week is talent. Last week was time. So um, this week we will talk about our talents. How do we leverage to get the most we possibly can from ourselves for the kingdom of God? Through As we push down on our lever and the fulcrum being the Holy Spirit that multiplies our power, how does this work? How do we do this? Well, I'll tell you. Joliet Cares was an absolute perfect example of using leverage for the kingdom of God. Yesterday we had uh, 43, I think is the final count. This just ended. Uh, 43 people uh, working at Joliet Cares. We had uh, group leaders that were in charge of whole different stations. We had people that were just, that were uh, like me. I was uh, a mule and I was just going back and forth. I got 14,000 steps on my Fitbit yesterday. It was, it was a good day uh, going back and forth to, uh, so if you were in a challenge with me, hey, uh, but, uh, we, we going back and forth to their cars. We were packing food boxes. We were doing all kinds of uh, awesome, awesome things. And um, everyone was using different talents. It was really neat yesterday to see um, one of the ladies who's in charge uh, came running up to me. Where's Kelly. I need Kelly. Well, this is a common thing in my life. Uh, they don't care about me. They just need Kelly. Uh, I was like, I don't, I don't know where Kelly is. What do you need? Well, she speaks Spanish. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I need her. Well, hold on. And then I look over, and there's two other people in our church standing within 10 feet of me who speak Spanish. And I was like, well, let me introduce you to Carolina. And, uh, and because she can help you. Oh, okay. And so we went over there and solved the problem with another Shorewood person. How cool is that? All right. And so every room I walked into, I walked into another Shorewood person. I was like, oh, hey. Oh, hey. It's like, is this Shorewood? Because we, I mean, there's more volunteers there yesterday morning than is volunteering here today at the church. It, this just blows my brain. It's so good to see all of you there working in and doing stuff. It was perfect in the idea of leveraging. You do not know the story that you were participating in. You did a simple thing. I took bags of groceries to cars. Not, you would think that's not a lot of kingdom impact, right? I carried something. You have no idea. We have no idea the stories that are being told. We have no idea the impact. We have no idea what changed in someone's heart that day or what maybe opened up, what preconceived notions of, uh, of people maybe changed. We have no idea what their viewpoint of God may have changed. Just in simple interactions, a smile, handing some produce, giving some clothes out, doing the health care and the dental care and all the other things that were going on, the brats and the hot dogs and the hamburgers. Who knows what is the powerful thing that spoke to someone's heart? But in all the different areas of service, we all had a, a putting some pressure on the lever multiplied by the fulcrum of the Holy Spirit that's lifting people up. This is leverage in action. Does this make sense? Because this is what I'm talking about. Everyone doing their own simple little task to push on that level, not doing it by themselves, multiplying the power and picking people up. Absolutely amazing. I had a second, I got uh, double blessed yesterday. I got to go to Juliet Cares. 
But then I got to go hang out with Manny and Marcy. Pastor Manny uh, is the pastor in Aurora First Church of God, um, and it's becoming basically a sister church of us or a cousin church or something. Uh, I am now chairman of their board. Uh, uh, but uh, Manny needs some help in restructuring the church. And so now uh, some of the pastors from around the state are coming to help him and deal with some transition. And uh, they're having explosive growth and exciting, and they don't know what to do with themselves. They're so excited. And um, so I went yesterday. Actually, they had a problem with a sound system. Now, here's the deal. I am worthless when it comes to sound systems. I know someone who's not worthless. His name is Jimmy. So I volunteered Jimmy to go up with me to fix the problem while I hung out. Uh, So this is what happened yesterday. And we went up there to fix a simple microphone issue. We went up there to fix a simple microphone issue. Well, Manny had a team in that was painting the sanctuary yesterday. And this was a fabulous thing going on. And um, their church is going to start to look a lot like ours in the future uh, because he's like, Jerry, what should I paint this? Well, I hear gray's nice. Uh, so, <laughs> and okay, okay. He's, he's coming in here and going to our, some of our things and taking pictures of the church. He's like, so how would I do a pallet wall? Okay, well, this is how you do it, buddy. Um, and so it's just real fun. But as we talk and as Marcy and I uh, kind of go off to the side and start designing and dreaming about things they can do for the church and things they can have there and uh, different projects and, and uh, block parties that they can do because they have a lot better uh, street frontage than we do. Block party would be amazing there. Um, so just how do we help equip you to uh, maximize and leverage your property and who you are and your stories for the kingdom of God? And so as we build into that... Um, some of the guys who are working there come down off their ladders and pull man to the side. And, um, and they start talking to him and they come back to me. And the behind-the-scenes story that you don't know about Aurora First Church of God is that it has gone through a really, 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 really tough time in the last two years. Uh, the church is basically, everyone that was there um, was uh, old and white and cranky. And they wanted Manny to be old and white too. Well, Manny's a year younger than me and Hispanic. He's, not, it, he's never going to be old and white. It's just not going to happen. And so we had some divisive stuff happen in the church. Why I'm there, why Pastor Eric's there, why Brian Braggs is there. You guys, rec- so if you've been here for a long time, you recognize these names. We're all going in there to try to help this church out because there's amazing potential. People are getting saved every single stinking week. And this is what the kingdom of God is about, not being comfortable. And so um, they've had some transition in the church. And these people that were established there were really, really, really hurtful to Pastor Manny and some of the other people who were not like them. And so what happened, Pastor Manny told me afterwards, was he came up to me and the the guys that were working and painting the church came up and said, who's the white guy? (laughs) Who is he? Are you okay? Is he yelling at you? Because every time they've seen a white person come into that church for the last year, they came in to yell at Pastor Manny. And he said, no, that's Pastor Jared. He's cool. He's here for you. He's here for us. He's going to help. I went in to babysit Jimmy. (laughs) Right? I went there to babysit Jimmy, replacing a microphone. That's what I went there for. And then I got to leverage my time by putting Manny to work painting the church. But then a total unintended consequence happened as we started reconciliation between a group of people who have been so hurt and so demeaned that we started... 
I love you, and you love me, and we're going to be there. And by the time we left that day, in the parking lot, the guys came up to our car, like, hey, we'll see you soon. Total different. They wouldn't come off the ladders for us when we showed up. Afterwards, they couldn't help but come over and hug us and shake our hands, and, and we were already starting to become family just in three or four hours of hanging out there. See, that was the Holy Spirit. That's what the multiplication of the Holy Spirit of the fulcrum does. Because I went to say, hey, Marcy, why don't we paint that gray? Jimmy said, hey, I'm going to put a new microphone in. The Holy Spirit said, hey, you guys are cute. You're going to do that? We're going to start changing culture. You see how this works? This is what we're talking about today as we leverage who we are, how we're wired for the kingdom of God. I don't say that to be like, oh, Jared's so great. That, please do not hear that. That was a total Holy Spirit moment. And that was honestly because Manny's so great is why that stuff was happening. And as he's preaching right now, my, I'm just, I feel like a brother connection with him so much so that um, if you've been here around, you know Manny's story. If you're new here, you're going to know his story. We're trying to figure out ways we can pulpit swap which will be really exciting for me. It'd be great for you. I feel bad for the Aurora Church. Uh, but, but just how we can come together as a body of believers even more so um, as we navigate this next season together with each other. But that's what this is about, leveraging the, what we have to help build the kingdom of God. I don't care if people get saved in Shorewood or people get saved in Aurora. They're getting saved, right? Amen? So this is uh, kind of what we're talking about today is leveraging is about using what we've been given to maximize our effectiveness for the kingdom of God. Use all, everything that we have that God has given us, has gifted us with for the kingdom of God. Oh, I about forgot. We served over 650 people yesterday, Joliet Cares. Just to let you know. It was funny because it was slow and steady. Usually everybody comes in the morning, and, we're like, and so no one came in the morning. We're like, what are we going to do? No one's here. And by the end of the day, we ran out of food because there's too many people there. This is awesome. Uh, so if you're a part of that, awesome. You got to change over 200 families uh, at least weeks and maybe eternities. Leverage is about using what you've been given to maximize our effectiveness for the kingdom of God. Some simple truths that we're really hammering home in this series. You are accountable for the gifts God has given you. You are accountable for the gifts God has has given you. You are accountable for the talents God has given you. You are accountable for the time God has given you. You are accountable for the resources God has given you. You're accountable for this. These are gifts, but there's an expectation with them. You are accountable for what God has given you. Scripture that really illustrates this is found in Matthew 25, verse 14. Again, it'll be like a man going on a long journey who called his servants and trusted wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, or your Bible might say five talents. To another, two bags, and to another one, one bag. Each according to his own ability. He then went on his journey. Okay, to put this in perspective, what is talents? What is, how much money are we talking about here? Are we talking about 50 bucks? Are we talking about $100? How much is he actually giving? Well, adjusted for inflation, this is between, four, each talent is worth forty dollars to $50,000. So we're not talking chump change. Even the one, I, I read this and I go, man, the one got gypped, right? Now, 
If someone handed you $40,000, Josh, you wouldn't be thinking, oh, I got gypped. You'd be going, woo, right, having a little party. Um, college fund coming up. All right, that'll, that'll handle, you know, a semester. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Josh started crying for some reason. <laughs> to, <laughs> to one, he gave five talents. So this is, what, $200,000? 200 he gives. The other one he gives uh, basically $80,000, and the other one gets $40,000. None of these are anything to shake a stick at. No one would turn these away. So I want to put that in perspective. We see small numbers like five, two, and one. We go, what is this? But to everyone in that audience, they're, whoa, this is a lot of money. Okay, there you go. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, underline at once, and put his money to work and gained five bags more. He didn't wait for the weather to get better. He didn't wait for a more convenient time. He didn't wait at once and put his money to work. At once and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and put, hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the servant returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five and said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The statement I think we all want to hear when we go to the judgment seat of Christ is this. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done good and faithful servant. No one wants, as Jimmy was talking about, no one wants to be sitting there like, well, you did an adequate job. Way to skate by. I gave you a lot of really cool things and uh, you didn't do anything with it. But instead, the response we're looking for is, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in my happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I've put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew I harvest where I have not sown and gather where you have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who's ten bags, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even when they... What they have will be taken away from them and throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Underline worthless or draw a box around it or whatever you would like 
because I want to explain that a little bit more. The servant is not worthless because he doesn't have much. He is worthless because he does not use it. The same Greek word for worthless is derelict. Well, derelict is a fun big word to talk about. You have a derelict car if you have a car in your driveway that's been on cinder blocks for five years, right? Incredible potential. Worthless, because I don't run. It doesn't have wheels on it, right? Some of you are elbowing your husbands right now. Stop that. Uh, so <laughs> you can tell all the car collectors in, in the room right now because they have hurt ribs. Uh, so, but that's a derelict car. It's a worthless car. It's like, oh, don't call my car worthless. Well, it's not running. It's not being used. It's just sitting there collecting dust. Now, there's potential for greatness. There's potential for value. But right now, it's derelict. It is worthless. And so this is what's going on. That you're, you're, the value is placed on what are you doing with it? Not because it can be very easy if you don't, you don't have money or whatever you think, oh, great. The promise of God is just because I'm poor in this life, it means I'm always going to be poor and God's going to take it from me. That's not what he's saying here. That's actually like that thought process is totally anti to everything Jesus says. So I hope that makes sense with the worthlessness stuff. Which one of these servants are we? How are we using our stuff? Are we a five-talent person? Are we a two-talent person? A one-talent person? How are we using what God has given us? All of us are given different gifts at different amounts. It's just how it happens. Some of us get to be five-talent people. Andy Stanley gets to be a five-talent preacher. I will never be as good a communicator as Andy Stanley. It's just not going to happen. I'm okay with that. I might be a two-talent person. I'll be okay with being a two-talent person. But if I'm a one-talent person, you know what? I will be the best one-talent person I can possibly be, using whatever God has given me for the kingdom of God. We're all given different gifts. Some of them are upfront gifts. Some of them are back-in-the-back gifts. That does not make you better or worse. We've had 30 people start to become regular members of this church, regular attenders of this church since January. So if you're a guest or you're a guest service person out here, if you're in hospitality, you're like, all I do is fill cups of coffee. That's important because you're having a kingdom impact with that. If you're on the clean team, you're like, all I do is vacuum the carpets. That's important because a mom who brings her baby here wants to see a place that's clean, not covered in crumbs, right? Every little thing around here is important. It doesn't matter what you do. It's all putting pressure on the lever that the Holy Spirit fulcrum multiplies to build the kingdom of God. Romans 12, 4, 8 explains this even better. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If your gift, oops, I got messed up. Uh, in accordance to your faith. If serving, then serve. Teaching, then teach. If encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. What Paul is saying is however you're wired, do it that way. God did that on purpose. He didn't accidentally make you a nerd. He did that for a reason so you can do stuff in the IT department for the church so it actually works, right? 
He didn't make you this way on mistake. He didn't make you on that way on mistake. They all have purpose. Leverage means using what God has given you, not wishing you had a different gift. Leverage means using what God has given you. Leverage means taking a risk. Leverage is risky. Leverage requires risk. It, it does. I have a friend. You, you have a friend as well. You don't know you have this friend. Uncle Daniel, the crazy guy with the beard and the funny hats and the skinny jeans. He, I don't know why. I, I failed him at some point. But he was my intern for three years. He comes up every once in a while, plays guitars or drums with, with us from Georgia, and uh, we love him very much. He's a unique bird. But when he was about nine years old, he has five brothers and sisters. And so when he was about nine years old, just old enough to get his permanent teeth in, he met a teeter-totter. It's the lever you're all familiar with, right? He met a teeter-totter and his bigger brother, they're walking over to the teeter-totter and Daniel thought he was going to sit on it. Well, Ben decided to jump on the other side, knocks the tooth out that he just got in. Um, and to this day, he has a fake tooth up here because he met the wrong end of a lever. Getting on that lever requires risk, right? That's the reason why all teeter-totters are taken out of everywhere because it's risky. Monetary, if you, if like financial institution leverage is risky. What monetary uh, leverage is, is basically... Let's say someone sells a widget, and you're like, ooh, that's a good widget that Dean's making. I can buy one, sell one for 150% profit. Woo, there's a great market for this. We're going to make money. And then you go, ding, if I go get a loan and buy 100,000 of these widgets, I can make a whole bunch more profit. But what happens, so that's what leverage in financial, very simplistically, what leverage is in a financial institution. The, the risk is what happens if no one wants to buy, I think they're great things, they're sham wows. Everyone should have five of them, but no one wants to buy my sham wows. Then I go bankrupt because I can't pay back my loan. I don't know the difference between that and gambling, but uh, you can tell me if, if you know the difference. But leverage requires risk. Financially, it does with a teeter-totter, but it also does in how we put ourselves out there. Because when we realize what God has made in us, and this is our thing, this is what we do, but I've got to put myself out there. I've got to be vulnerable in some way. I've got to jump on that teeter-totter in some way. There's a moment there where I don't know what the result's going to be. Leverage requires risk. Think about it. You have $200,000 of your boss's money, and you go and invest it all. That would be exciting, right? Knowing he's coming back and going to be expecting to at least get his money back. And so he leverages, I don't know who his investment banker is, but it was a good guy because my retirement fund could use that, that guy, whoever did that. But um, he throws it and he doubles his money. Can you imagine the risk? He had to be consuming some Rolaids in this, uh, this time, right? This is what's going on. Leverage requires risk. The same thing happens for the kingdom of God because we are making ourselves vulnerable to people maybe we don't know. If you went to Joliet Cares yesterday, you, walk, you were a shepherd, you walked up to the first person you don't know, and you don't even know if you speak the same language as they do, that required a, a risk of yourself, a vulnerability of yourself to say, we're going to get through this day the best we can, and I'm just going to keep on smiling, Right? Some of, some of you are like, that's exactly what happened to me. And others are like, well, we, we, we muddled through it. Leverage requires risk. 
Leverage is about using what you have, not complaining about what you don't. Leverage is about using what you have, not complaining about what you don't. And this is important. This is the two-talent guy. He didn't spend his time going, well, I didn't get five talents, right? And this would be very easy. Well, I, I did, you know, I did better on the test than he did. He could think, well, you know, I never call in sick. I know, why is it, why is this? Why didn't I get that? Leverage is about using what you have, not complaining about what you don't. I want to play the guitar so bad. I've bought two of them. I sold one, paid for Kelly's engagement ring, bought another one. True story. It's sitting in my office. I beg people to play it just so some sort of music comes out of it because I can't. I can play chords. My fingers know where to go. It doesn't turn into music. It just doesn't. I can take lessons. I can practice. But you know what? What I would practice for years and years and years, I can't do what Jimmy can do in a minute because the gift is just not there. My mom, who is an incredibly gifted musician, you wouldn't know that her hand's being taken away. I took that away from her, but incredible musician. And she's like trying to, you know, willpower me. She can willpower almost anything, but trying to do this mind meld of me. Put your fingers there, Jared. Can't you keep a beat? You know, like thing. Me and my dad. (laughs) So. (laughs) Guys laughed way too much at that. Uh, Leverage. Leverage is about using what you have and what you don't have. So what did my dad, we talk a lot. We don't know if we even talk well, but we talk a lot. So let's use what we've been given instead of trying to play instruments. Okay, let's do that. Finding what that is. Man, Jared, I could never do that because that's just not where I'm at, but I can do this. And some of us will find out places. This is why we do grow. A grow happens about once a quarter. It's a fabulous, fabulous thing. We try, we take tests, we do all kinds of stuff to try to help you find how God has created you and set you free in those areas. Sometimes we have, we have people that we put them in a place and they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought I wanted that place. Man down, not me. And that's okay. We'll find you a different place. That's like me. If I, oh, I really want to play guitar. Okay. I come to practice, Jimmy would say, I just don't think, I said, hmm. I don't know if that would be a proper thing for you, Jared. Okay, let's do something else. And we just will redirect, and that's okay. Leverage is about using what you have and not about what you don't have. Leverage is about multiplying power. When your pressure isn't used, power is not created. And this is like the significance of doing a baby dedication today, right? As a church body, if we do not apply pressure with the Walker family to help raise this child, the power necessary to lift him up into the kingdom is not created. Now, they can overexert and just be pounding away at that lever all day long, but how much easier does that happen when a body of believers comes alongside them and pushes with them? Does this make sense? This is the one-talent person. He didn't push on the lever. He didn't create any pressure. He just kind of said, well, I'm just, uh, that's too risky. I'm too scared. I'm going to dig a hole and put the talent there. That's, that's what he does. The one talent person doesn't use it. He hides it. He is trapped by fear of what can happen. 
He looks at the teeter-totter and looks at a way to knock out his teeth, not the crazy amount of joy you can get on a teeter-totter. Leverage is about multiplying your power. When, when your pressure is not used, power is not created. Some of us are scared to death of the idea of being vulnerable enough about being used by God. We're scared of what that looks like, what that means for us. Maybe even the time commitments of that works and how does that all work in our lives? How would our life change if we started using what God has given us? Leverage is about multiplying that power. As the why the one person was, the one talent person was deemed worthless. It's because you are responsible for what you use, not for what you have been given. I can't control how I'm wired. I can't control that I can't keep a beat. I can't, I can't right? You're responsible for what you use, not for what you've been given. But I have other gifts that I'm responsible for. If Paul never fixed anything around this church, that would be a problem, one for the church, but also even a bigger problem for Paul. That is his gifting on how he helps and how he serves. If Perry never threw anything away, I think he would start twitching. But as he starts, <laughs> as he cleans out closets and stuff, it's him being used as, as other people, as, as silly as that is. You're responsible for what you use, not what you have been given. God has given you talents. God has given you talents that you can leverage. Moments in life where you can, you don't know what the results are. Just like when I walked into Aurora Church of God yesterday, or you walked into Joliet Cares yesterday. Moments where you're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to push this lever. I'm going to push this button. And we're going to see what is raised up. We may never even actually see what actually comes of that, but we get to be a part of it. We get to be part of a story of the kingdom of God. That's what I want to invite you to today, to make sure. Last week we talked about making sure we are leveraging all of our time. Make sure that we make the most out of everything we possibly can. And this, this week I want you to know, how am I wired? I need to think about this. I need to look at this. Am I using how God has made me to leverage every ounce of it for the kingdom of God. How are you doing with that? If the master comes back today, does he say, well done, good and faithful servant? Are you scared about the answer? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for everything you are to us. Thank you for being a God who sees us in pits and will even leverage his own son to pick us out of them. Thank you for being an extravagant God, a God who crafted us, a God who, who knew us in our, in our mother's womb, a God who knows every hair on our head. God knows all the potential that we have. Thank you for entrusting us with those gifts, God. Lord, for the people in this audience right now who, who are thinking, I don't know what I'm gifted about. I don't know how I'm special. I don't know how God has wired me any different at all. God, I pray for them right now that they would realize how unique and how beautiful they actually are. God, would you speak to our hearts if we're in a place right now that needs to be lifted, that you would lift us up, that this could be a place of leverage, a, a, a pivotal point where people are lifted into your kingdom. 
that they can be made new, that they can be washed clean, that they can have a fresh start. God, will you place a burden on our hearts to leverage who we are, how we're wired for you. Lord, we love you, and we praise your name. Amen.